welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Right, so, um, hmm. I think, you know, when we become a Christian, um, I think what, what, we've, what, what I've learned recently is that the first question really I should have asked when I became a Christian was, Right, who does this mean that I am? Who am I now? Now that, you know, I've, uh, Jesus has become part of my life, as I saw it then. Who am I? But it wasn't that question, really. The question probably I asked was, okay, I'm now like this Christian person. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? Right? And I think that is a really big question for us as Christians. What am I supposed to do? In other words, what do you want me to do, God? So, you know, show me, show me what I'm supposed to do. Um, So today I'm really going to talk about my life and how that worked for me, really. Um, Me trying to sort of find this, what I considered at that time to be a perfect path, you know, you know, um, in Jeremiah, God says, I know the plans I have for you, you know, plans to give you a future and a hope. So if God's got a plan, then I must find the plan. Um, and if I don't find the plan, what happens then? So it's really me trying to find this perfect path um, and how God showed me and what I've learned, really, about God guiding me through those years. And it is a lot of years, I can assure you it's a lot of years. It's probably like 48 years since I became a Christian. So that's an awful, it's probably two of your lifetimes or more than that. <laughs> more than two of your lifetimes. Um, so I became a Christian when I was uh, 19. And I was before that I was a very atheistic person. I'd rejected religion completely. And it took really God kind of I won't tell you the story of that now because it's not really relevant but it was like God kind of came and hit me over the head really and just kind of showed me clearly how much I needed him Um, and so I became a Christian when I was 19 and um, at university so I finished university and began to ask God, right, what should I do now? Where, where, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? And to be honest, I didn't really have any idea of what sort of job I wanted. I'd done a degree in languages, so I knew French and I knew Spanish, but that was more or less it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I definitely didn't want to teach because, you know, it's like the uh, everybody who does languages... They're not good enough to be a translator or an interpreter, so they go and teach children who could, who don't want to learn languages and, you know, hate them. And I thought, I'm not doing that. That is absolutely not what I'm going to do. Um, and then I just got this great idea that maybe I could travel the world, you see, and go to somewhere exotic. Um, so I, I did some research and I discovered that I could go... Uh, as a volunteer to teach English, which I had no idea how to teach English, but I could do this for two years in South America. So that's a great thing to do. That sounds like really exciting and fun. Um, so then I asked my parents what they thought, and they thought it was a really bad idea. They just thought it was dangerous and don't they have revolutions over there? Don't they kidnap people? They did, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they thought it was a really bad idea. So then I went and asked my pastor, um, and he thought it was a really bad idea. Do they have good churches over there? Will they have you have fellowship? Will there be Christians who will look after you? You've only been a Christian a year. You need a lot of support. I said, well, who cares? You know, who cares? It's South America. Come on, this is... So I totally ignored what my parents said, and I totally ignored what my pastor and my wise Christian friends said. And I applied to do this, and I got accepted, and I went to South America. So in terms of God guiding me in that, in that, in that circumstance, 
I would say, to be absolutely honest, I just did what I blooming well wanted to do, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Of course, I was a very young Christian, so that excuses it, because I didn't know... I wasn't wise enough at that point to realise that you don't just ignore God, you do what God tells you to do. I've come a, in the full circle of that, I think, now, really, but we'll talk about, I'll talk about that later. So I went off to South America, to Uruguay, where, yes, they did kidnap people, where, yes, they did have urban guerrillas um, who planted bombs. Um, fortunately, this is another whole story, but fortunately... Um, I got to know some of these urban guerrillas. I didn't know they were urban guerrillas at the time. Do you understand what an urban guerrilla is? Like a terrorist. Yeah. I didn't know they were terrorists. And they were really nice people, actually. They were really nice. And they liked me, so they protected me. So, in fact, although I didn't know it, I was very well protected because one of them was my doctor, one of them was my... Um, the head of the school where I was teaching and another was the Methodist minister in the town where I was although he wasn't part of the church I was with. So I didn't have any problem with terrorists because I knew them and they liked me Um, and I didn't get kidnapped and there were four of us who went out um, to volunteer in different parts of the country and during that time two of the others became Christians so it felt like it might be a God plan after all, even though I had really not consulted with God at all. Um, so I did that for two years. And during those two years, one of the other girls who was volunteering, like me, she had chosen to be a primary school teacher. And she was so enthusiastic and she was so she just inspired me. And I taught these young children English and I loved it and so by the time I'd finished two years God had taken me to South America he had stopped me being kidnapped he had shown me what my career would be and he had helped me he he sort of used me in a way to bring two other people to Jesus so that was pretty good really that felt like you know godly it was felt like God was in this and you know I think he was but I don't even know if it was God's idea for me to go there. Because I I just don't know. But what I do know is that though I went not asking him, he was in the whole thing. Okay, so it makes sense. Right, so that was was sort of exciting um, life experience number one. Right. The second one was... um, yeah, I was a, so I became a primary school teacher, and I, I really did enjoy it and loved it. Um, I also became part of a Christian dance and drama group. Um, and while in this Christian dance and drama group, there was a guy who was um, had a good sense of humour. He was a really good singer. He was a really nice personality, and I really liked him. For two years, I really liked him, and for two years, he more so more or less ignored me and and, like, didn't even know I existed. Um, So I sort of gave up on him, really. I mean, two years is a long time to sort of, you know, really like someone that is ignoring you completely. So I thought, I'll give up on him. So then it was like, what should I do, Father, you know, God? Should I continue with this primary school teaching? Or, you know, what should I do? So I was sort of half-asking, God. And... I went to um, a meeting in my church and it was um, a group called, a missionary group called Operation Mobilization, which I think still exists. Have you ever heard of Operation Mobilization? Yeah, anyway. Um, And it's quite an adventurous sort of group because the guy who started it, George Verver, he's a bit of a... um, He's he's a bit of a weirdo, really. I mean, in the sense that he believes that... If you're a missionary, you should just go out with, like Jesus said, don't take any um, money, don't take anything. Just just go, you know, with your shoes, don't take a change of anything. Just go out there and God will provide. So this was the, the, the sort of, um, what's the word, philosophy behind um, OM, that they just sent you out with nothing and you would just see how God provided, yeah? So that's a whole other story, how God provided nettles for us to make soup. Do you know what nettles are? 
they're weeds that grow in the garden and if you touch them they get ah, really painful yeah well making soup out of nettles and so anyway that was a whole other story of doing that so anyway in this meeting there was this uh this sort of video and i'm watching this and out of nowhere god's voice which i'd never quite heard in the same way before except once when i became a christian god's voice said you are going to do that and i thought no no i'm not i mean what a stupid missionary society that they send you out with nothing and then expect you to cope i thought no no i'm not doing that i was just really angry i thought well anyway i was very angry so the next day i opened my bible you know that is really a bad thing to do to open your bible when god has just told you something you don't want to hear and i you know um in those days i used to read um through the bible so i had a special reading every day okay so you finish on chapter one and then you next day you go on to chapter two so i'll tell you what it said because i remember even now and this is like about 40 years later Yeah, it said, and it was uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2, and it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. And then it said, Go there, there, there and go to the. Well, anyway, it said, Go, move, leave. And so I thought, I can't believe that this is what God is saying. You know, this, oh, it just felt so. I felt quite sick really um so i thought i know i'll ask somebody to pray about this you know pray about this and i just knew that all my friends would all say oh no don't go you can't go god can't be saying that you see and the person i ended up asking was because um i i was giving them a lift that night and the person I ended up asking was this this guy who I really liked and had never uh, liked, well, never noticed me. Anyway, we, we, I was giving him a lift that night. I said, oh, by the way, you know, I've, I've just this strange experience. I thought God was telling me to do this. And, and then I woke up and then it's, and Deuteronomy it said, leave this place and go somewhere else. I said, would you pray and just ask God if what, you know, what, what do you think? Said, yeah, yeah, fine. He says, yeah. So a couple of weeks later, he rang me and he said, you know, I actually think God is saying that. I, th- I really feel that's right. He said, I'll miss you. I thought, well, it's a bit late to say that now, isn't it? Oh, great, I'll miss you. But now, but, you know, I just, yeah, think that's right. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Anyway, um, I just felt I had to apply. I had to apply. And I applied, and, of course, I did the accepted Meanwhile, meanwhile, I mean, this is uh, not really quite part of this guidance story. Well, it is actually, yeah. Meanwhile, this guy now decides, now I'm going away. You know, I never really noticed her before, but actually she's really quite nice. And, you know, I really will miss her. I, I miss her a lot. So now I'm committed to spending two years going with this like missionary society. He decides he's really going to miss me. And he decides, you know, maybe God's saying, you know, that we should be together. So he decides he'll ask me to go out to the theatre, I think it was. And I'm thinking, oh, what are you up to, God? You know, this is just so weird. So... Um, we go to the theatre. Oh, yes, it was quite funny because there were a group of us going to the theatre. So it wasn't a date. It was like a group of us going. And by the time it came to the day of going to the theatre, every single person except him had dropped out for some reason or another. So, like, it was just me and him, which was kind of embarrassing, really. Anyway, we went to the theatre, and then we went for a walk. And this is so cheesy. Do you understand that cheesy? It's like a bit melodramatic. So we go for this walk and we're on a, on a hill out in the, in, the, in the hills, in the Pennines. And suddenly it's a cloudy day and quite dark and 
ominous cloud, and then suddenly the sky is open. <laughs> and then this beam of light, it's true, actually, it's true. This beam of light streams down on us. Oh, gosh, it's been. Oh, it's so. And then he holds my hand. And then we walk in. It's really so funny. We walk in silence down this hill. And we just know that God is speaking to us. <laughs> oh, so romantic, amazingly romantic. But I'm thinking, oh, and I'm going away for two years now. What's all this about? Um, and then the next morning, of course, by now I am really saying, and he is also saying, what, are, what is this about? And I open my Bible and... It's like the heaven pour, heavens pour forth your word and, you know, God speaks through the clouds and the heavens and that's... Oh. So, so Irvin and I then get engaged, right? So that's us. With, you know, but I'm going. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, so I go off and it's one year in the end, not two years. Um, and they come back and we get married. So that was another really dramatic, I suppose, piece of guidance, yeah. Um, so that was to do with marriage. And all I would say is God, God does things in such different ways for different people because I remember telling a girl this was how God led me. And she went away and expected, like, God to do the same for her. Like, where's the beam of light? You know, where's the thunder? Where's the... And I just said, you know, it doesn't... That's very unusual, I think. It's quite unusual. Okay. So. Yeah. Right. At at the end of this, I'm going to just sort of look then at, like, all these different ways of God guiding and, you know, how do they all fit together, really? Um, Because the next major decision that we had as a couple was... Um, to do really with our future, um, Irvin had uh, he'd gone into medicine to be a surgeon so that he could work abroad on the mission hospital. That is the reason why he had studied surgery. I had gone um, with this missionary organization and come back feeling, um, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is you know, I want to, to be a missionary. So together, we decided, or we felt strongly, this is what God wanted us to do, okay? So that was, you know, really strong inner guidance for us. So a job came up for a, um, yeah, yeah, for a, for a surgeon in the, um, some islands off the coast of Africa that were very, very strongly Muslim. It's, I think it's the Comoro Islands. Have you heard of the Comoro Islands? Anyway. Um, and Irving felt he should apply for this job. And we, I felt too. But before we did that, we decided to talk to the leadership of the church. And they said they would go away and pray about this. And then they met with us. And to our amazement and to our surprise and disappointment they said that each individually clearly separately had felt God say this is not right for you so what do we do then we both felt strongly this is the right thing um, and they felt strongly this is the wrong thing so we went away and you know all sorts of thoughts go through your mind then. You think, they're only saying that because we're the youth leaders and what would they do for youth leaders if they didn't have us and they like us and they'll miss us and, you know, you're thinking, they're probably saying this for kind of, not, not consciously, but, you know, they've probably got all sorts of like agendas they don't know they've got and they're probably just not hearing God at all. But for us, the bottom line was if the people in our church can't support us in this then we don't want to go without their prayer support backing love etc does that make sense so we just had to kind of let go of this 
this thing, this calling. It was a massive thing to do, really. Especially for Irving, who had felt that he had gone into surgery to do this thing, to be a missionary. Okay, so that was, that was disappointing and that was hard. So then, like, question, well, what next? What do we do next? I was teaching and I continued teaching. Um, Irving, he, he'll, he could, he'll he'll tell you his own story, but um, he, he was a very gifted doctor. He's very gifted in surgery. He was very, he's very clever. But three times he failed the oral exam. Three times. Well, the last time... Um, he took six months off work. I was working, so he could take six months off just to study for six months for the surgical exams. And he failed again. So that was a blow. <laughs> what is going on? Anyway, it's his story, but he ended up um, going into general practice, which he now looks back on and thinks, gosh, that was a good thing to do. <laughs> That was the right thing to do. Anyway, next life um, choice, if you like, next big decision to make was that when we got married, I was I was in my thirties, um, and then twelve years later, I'm now in my forties. I'm forty-one, forty-two, um, and we don't have any children. And so, you know, I think, well, you know, we don't have to have children. It's not. No, it's not compulsory. We did want children. Um, Irving really, really wanted children. I wasn't so sure. But suddenly, it seemed like everywhere we went and everyone we talked to was talking about adopting children. So we would go to do some ministry with the church dance group and um, we would go and stay with people who'd adopted children. And then we would go to the meeting and somebody else would say, oh, we're just applied to adopt some children. And it, people would come to us and say, we've had a word and we just have got this dream of you taking a baby out of somebody else's arms. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, so we say, okay, God, you know, just feels like you're in this. Um, so we, we apply then to, you know, to, to go through the... Um, the assessment process for adoption, um, which is quite a lengthy, um, a lengthy process, and then for two years we don't hear anything at all. Well, we do actually, but they keep saying no. Um, anyway, there was a good reason for that in the end, which we found out, but um, it doesn't matter really. So for two years it seemed like closed door, closed door, closed door. Um, and then eventually, um, there were uh, a couple of boys who um, the a social worker was, was wanting to match us to. Okay. Well, by this time, I was just really having so many doubts. I'd re- because I knew that adopting children is not straightforward, that if you adopt, especially if you adopt children who are slightly older and have therefore had some really difficult early life experiences they you know they will have massive problems um and you know was I ready for this was I oh gosh and of course you don't even meet the children you have to say yes before you meet them you don't you see a photo you think (laughs) okay you look all right but do I want to spend the rest of my well the next 18 years with you um Maybe it's just me. Maybe other people don't have these problems. But I just thought, God, you know, I don't know. I just don't know if this is right. Um, I don't know if I'm up to this. I don't know if I want to sacrifice a lot of my life dealing with the problems of a child who... Anyway. Um, so, it's, it's quite... Um, what's the word? It's, it's very um, straightforward, really. You decide, do you want to adopt these children? They say, here they are, here are the photos. Um, you've got a week now to make the choice, right? If at the end of the week you say no, then 
they'll be, you know, they'll, that's the end of that story. Um, we knew that this was probably the last chance because I was getting older and, well, anyway. Um, if you say yes, then that's it. You start to meet the children and, you know, you have introductions. Uh, so halfway through this week, I just can't sleep. I'm, I just don't know. I'm in a real turmoil. And I'm just, you know, just saying, I don't know, I don't know. And Irvi's convinced it's right, he's okay about it. Um, anyway, this particular night, I must have slept some because I remember I woke up and it was, I don't know, I can't say it was a voice that I was outside me, but it felt like that, what we call an audible voice saying he's going to be okay because the the child I was most concerned about was the older child who had been um, very very cruelly treated Um, and I thought you know can I cope with with that Um, and it was this voice that just said it's going to be okay and I woke up it's going to be all right actually it's going to be all right and the next morning I woke up and I just felt okay it was fine I felt peace and um felt yes I can do this so I think that's just like the third time I've had that such a strong voice of God in my ear that you know you know it you know that you know that you know it's God and nothing can shake that so we adopted our two boys Andrew and Craig and um that's been a real roller coaster of ups and downs and um great times and difficult times and um yeah so that's been amazing um so after that probably uh i would say yeah okay because so far i've talked about i suppose life changing events and that might give the impression that God only guides us, like, <laughs> with life-changing events. And that's not true, is it? Um, because, you know, I think God's just sort of prompting us all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I can be looking through the window and just thinking, how do I deal with this situation now that Sophie is really upset about? And just get an idea in my head. And I think, oh, okay. And it's just such a wise idea and I do you know I sort of put that into practice which isn't something I would naturally have done it's you know little things like that God is always prompting us um but I suppose really um I'm looking at ways in which God does speak to us and I know in these 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 sort of crossroads like you come to a crossroads and you say okay I've found so many different ways that God does does sort of guide. Um, so the the other one I'll share, which again was a major crossroads in our life, was the um, the birth of Sophie. So when Sophie was born, um, her mum and dad were very young. It was clear um, to everybody that they would not be able to look after Sophie. So then, of course, the social Workers are looking to who will look after Sophie, what, what will be the best place for her. And to begin with, it seemed like her grandmother, her mother's mother, would be the best person. She was living with her, and we were prepared to support that and to, you know, spend time as well with Sophie, get, you know, be her grandparents. Um, so that, that seemed like a good plan. Um, and then about a year when Sophie was just under a year old um, it just became clear that that couldn't work because um, this grandmother um, there was stuff in her background that meant she couldn't look after Sophie anyway so now the choice is either Sophie goes to an adoptive family where she would not be we would not have any contact with her till she was 18 if she wanted to have contact or she would come to us now at that 
point I was 60 years old, okay? So 60 years old is old to have a one-year-old child. Very old. In fact, everything in me says too old to have. You know, that's crazy. And of course, oh, I'd been seen, I'd talked to all my friends, you know, and um, when, when she was, you know, when, when she was, it looked as if she was going to be with her other grandmother, I'd spoke to my friends. I said, oh, isn't it good that she can go with the other grandmother? The other grandmother is much younger. And of course, I'm too old. I'd be much too old to have. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Yeah. So I've said that to all my friends, you know, to June and Sharon and, and Sarah and Maggie. And they all said, oh, yes, that would be ridiculous. You, oh, gosh, yes, you couldn't do that, could you? So now I'm thinking, could I? Could I do that? And again, I know that we have one week to make this decision. Will you be the ones, the social worker rings and said, would you be the ones to take Sophie? Uh, it's it's not exactly adopting, but it's it's you know it's like adopting. It's the same thing more or less. So I'm just thinking, I, I don't know, I don't know. Could I do that? So this day, as I'm thinking, could I do that? I walk out of the door, and a friend is pushing a buggy along the the, the pavement, and she stops and says, "Oh, hi, Sue." And I said, "Oh, hi." I said, because I know she has three sons. I have never seen this child before. She's a little girl in a buggy. And she says, hi. So I said, hi. I said, oh, Joy, what? who's this? She says, oh, it's this little girl that we're adopting. I said, oh, I have no idea you're adopting any, any child. Yes, yes, she says, we've chosen. This is, um, you know, this is the little girl. I said, oh, gosh, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> and we say bye. And I think, well, that's a coincidence, isn't it? That's a strange thing. So then, because I'm, I'm going out and I'm going, coming down here to the Deborah prayer meeting, which, of course, is the prayer meeting that we have, you know, um, that June started years and years ago. We pray for young people. And uh, we're praying. And Sarah Steer says, Sue, I've got a word for you. I just feel I've got this prophetic word. Or it was a prophetic prayer. And she said, I just see you as being the mother of children that you weren't that weren't born to you. I'm thinking. Okay, okay, right. So So as I'm walking home, I think, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. You've said it and I can do it. Poor Irvin though. <laughs> he comes home and I said, you know, Irvin, how we both felt we couldn't possibly ever take Sophie on ourselves I think God's saying we can and he's saying no 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 I've come we no no we can't do that we we've decided God's spoken you know it's just not feasible it's not sensible um so then Irvin has to you know pray again and there we go so, God's, you know, God's guidance, ouch, God's guidance. Um, if you think about that, I mean, God says he'll guide us, doesn't he? I, I think it's interesting that in the Old Testament, um, he's, he's very specific and particular. Because, uh, I mean, I've, I've, you know, loved these verses um, about him guiding us. Like, for, in Psalm 32, verse 8. He says, I will instruct you and show you the way you should go. So he says, I will instruct you. He will teach us. He will show us. And then in Isaiah 30, I just always love this verse as well. In Isaiah 30, he says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Um, and I think for... You know, a lot of my Christian life, I've just thought, I can't really do anything unless I hear that voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, I've got to hear the voice. And I suppose I always felt that that first option of going to South America against all the advice and wisdom I was given, that was kind of a bit rebellious, really. 
because I didn't hear that this is the way walking I didn't hear that specific word of God in my ear you must go this way um, so you know I and I truly believe that is God's word and you know I you 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 can hear from what I've said that I've heard loads of God's word. God, this is the way walking. Do this. You know, this this is go, This is the way to go. But I also feel that when Jesus says, you know, in John, my sheep hear my voice, that's much more kind of general, isn't it? That's much more, you know, I'm just talking to you all the time. I'm talking to you all the time. I'm prompting you all the time. I'm with you all the time. And one of the one of the bits of guidance that I didn't actually like that God gave me in all of these different circumstances was um, was when I, I was asking God specifically about whether we should adopt Andrew and Craig or not. Are these the right boys? I mean, you know, gosh, that's a big thing, isn't it? If they're not the right ones, you get the wrong ones, don't you? And if you get the wrong ones, that, that's never going to work. It is just, you know. <laughs> but somebody came and said, I really feel God saying to you, you can choose. You can choose. And I thought, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to choose because I might get it wrong. And if I get it wrong, that will destroy my life. And it could destroy the lives of these two children as well. You know, we fall off the path. We're in the mud, you know. <laughs> and that was one piece of advice. I kind of, <clears throat> I don't want that. I don't want that. I won't choose. I'm not choosing. But it's interesting that, that, you know, when God woke me up in the middle of the night with an audible voice, he didn't say, the right choice is to take these boys. What he said was, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And he never actually said these are the right ones. But... I think what he was saying is that there isn't actually <laughs> oh gosh you know this is hard isn't it because if I said these aren't the it doesn't matter which kids you have <laughs> it doesn't matter which husband you marry that's a bit rude <laughs> I wouldn't like my boys to hear me say that and I wouldn't like Irving to hear me say that because they are the ones that I love <laughs> and in that sense they are the right ones but I don't think that in a sense you're asking the right question there because God was saying to me, it's going to be okay. It's actually going to be okay. Um, because something I actually didn't share was that um, the night before Evan and I got married, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, I can't do this. I can't do it. I don't know if it's right and if it's wrong. I'm making the worst choice of my life. And we'll be unhappy together. <laughs> so that was a good, good point, wasn't it, to decide that? So I had to ring him and say... <laughs> I had to ring him and say, I don't, I'm not sure anymore. I think this might be wrong. <laughs> he says, OK, stay there. It was like five o'clock in the morning. I'm coming. So he got in the car and he came over and... Um, we just drove back to that hill where... It's all right, I can sniff, Rebecca. We drove back to that hill where God had spoken to us and we just sat there. And I didn't hear any booming voices. I didn't hear any um, kind of anything, really. But all I knew was can't spend the rest of my life without this guy <laughs> so if it's the wrong one I think I'd rather spend my life with the wrong one than <laughs> I don't know call that peace or whatever I don't know but anyway he was all right back <laughs> poor early. and he drove me back and nobody knew that 
you know, <laughs> up, up, up a mountain. And you know, it's bad luck if you see your husband on the day of your wedding before you've got you, you know, it's, there's supposed to be bad luck there. So, you know, anyway. So I suppose now I look at things differently. Um, God was so gracious because, you know, in those years where I felt I've got to get it right, otherwise I get it wrong and it's going to be all bad. <laughs> he was gracious and he showed me and he reassured me and, um, you know, he was with me every step of the way, really. So does that mean now that because I am in Jesus, because Jesus is in me, because when I'm living in the fullness of who he is, I am thinking his thoughts, because they're my thoughts, because I've got the mind of Christ, yeah? Does that mean then, surely it must mean that I don't need to ask him anymore, because we are one, because we're united, because we are holy together. And I've been thinking about this one, and the answer to that is yes. But the other answer is no. <laughs> it's great. I love life these days. The answer is yes and it's no. And this is a real old person's example, right? Sort of. Although maybe not. Maybe not. Because we've got a lovely garden. You've seen our garden, haven't you? And it's a, gr a lovely garden. For the last few years, Irvin, who in our last house used to be the one who was like took hold of the garden and 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 he he designed it and he was really good at it for the last few years he's been doing a lot of work in the house and he's just felt and you know we've got we've got these houses that we have bought and he does work in those and he's just said look the garden's yours now you do the garden and I don't mind I actually don't mind but and I'll you know get on with it buy the plants but, you know, it was just so much more fun when we chose together, when we used to talk about how shall we do it. And in the last couple of months, he's just suddenly taken an interest in the garden again. And we do that. This is the old person's bit. We go to garden centres together and we think, yeah, that would look great. And like yesterday, we're saying, you know, we could, because he's the one who does the, more the hardware things. That, that means, like, he'll do the sheds and put the wooden things in. Does that make sense? You know, we could have this going up here. And I thought, you know, I'd never have thought of that. I'd never have... That sounds fabulous. And I think I see it a bit like that with me and Holy Spirit and Jesus and Father God. Because it's so much more fun when you do it together. It's, it's really more fun when you talk about it together. Um, and not only that as well. Um, because you do wobble sometimes. You do have panicky moments. I do have panicky moments. And that, you know, that um, waking up in the middle of the night and it's going to be all right. That isn't a very profound thing to say, really, in the... You know, it's it's a bit ordinary, isn't it? In fact, it's a bit like when you're going through a difficult time and someone comes and pats you. It's going to be all right, you know. Be all right, and you think, oh, shut up! You don't know a thing. You don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> so it wasn't, in a sense, a profound thing, but it was a powerful thing. But then, since then, my boys and especially Andrew my blessed Andrew who I love so much and I'm so proud of him because he's been through terrible things but he has also been through real rebellious times angry times dangerous times when he's lived on the streets of Manchester and been you know had his jaw broken in fights and stuff like that um, and I remember one day just thinking where is this going you know I just can't handle this anymore this is just I can't handle this it's too hard trying to be a mother you know in this situation 
um, and there was a knock on the door and um, a friend came and she said Sue she said I was just listening to this song this morning she said and I felt God saying go and sing it to Sue which <laughs> bless her for her obedience so she comes round she said this is it she said it's this don't worry about a thing every little thing is going to be all right she said does that mean anything and i said yeah it does it does and god sent her to remind me about what he'd already said and you know if i hadn't heard god there in the first place it's going to be all right then i wouldn't have had the excitement of hey he sent sharon round just to tell me again it's going to be all right and you know, I just love, I just love talking to him. I just love hearing what he has to say. Um, and yes, I do think his thoughts. And yes, I don't have to has, ask him about every little thing. And you know, yes, I can make choices. And you know, some of the things I've decided, I look back and I think, you know, actually, I don't think that was the best thing, probably, in the end. But God was with me all the time. And does it actually matter? Because I think it was Rebecca who spoke recently. And I was listening to the podcast. And I can't remember if these were your exact words. But what I got from it was, God is actually more interested in the journey than in the destination. So where we get to in the end is not as important perhaps as we think. But how we travel there, you know? And traveling with him. And getting to know him through that is probably more important than that, really. So anyway, yeah. What what's where where does that leave us? I had glasses. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, so how does he lead us? He leads us through circumstances. So Bumping into people who've just adopted, you know, a little girl, the circumstances. And, oh yeah, there was one, one example I didn't actually tell you about, um, yeah, about buying our house, which is, I won't tell you about that. But, he, so he, he, he leads us through circumstances, yeah? He leads us through prophecy as well. He leads us through advice, he leads us through reading the Bible. He leads us through a clear inner voice that we know that we've heard God. He leads us through just a sense of peace inside. But he also turns round to us quite often and says, well, what do you want to do? You say, well, what do you want me to do, Jesus? Well, what do you want to do? Yeah, what, what's, what's on your heart? What do you feel like doing? And... You know, more and more, I think that's that's how how it's like. Let's dialogue together about it, really. Yeah, let's let's journey together, and you know, don't if you if if you make a mistake, and I'm not even sure nowadays. I mean, obviously, here I'm talking about um, guidance for sort of steps in life. God guides us in other ways by giving us principles to, to, to sort of live by. And that's a different thing altogether in a way. And, you know, if we, if we see obvious things like, you know, God says don't steal, and you do steal, you don't need to ask him there. You know, those are obvious sort of principles. But as far as, you know, the life choices are concerned... Um, I feel, you know, mistakes don't matter so much. I think the important thing is not to fall into a sense of despair because you've, you feel you've done it wrong and therefore God's not with you anymore, really. Um, yeah. 
I think that's all. <laughs> I don't know if you've got any questions or anything you want to ask me. Yeah. I don't know. Or, yeah. Well, it doesn't lend itself to questions, really, does it? Because it's, it's more it's my story, really, and, you know, my journey, in a sense. You got any questions? <laughs> I always used to get really tied up when I was younger about this whole idea of, you know, life is like this, and then you make one choice, and suddenly life becomes like this. Mm. Like, which man do you marry? Mm. Which whatever. And then you realise as you get older, it actually doesn't matter. Because life is not life is not made up of whether you end up here or there. It's, yes. it's made up of doing the not doing the best but being who you are, where you are, and yes. loving God and loving those around you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We have these value systems put on things that actually aren't real because actually we have so much choice because we're fit and able and and therefore we put value on all these things we can do and choose. But yeah. then, you know, what about the people who can't get out of their wheelchair or can't get out of their bed? Do they have no value? But they have as much infinite value, don't they? Yes, this yeah. kind of tension between making good decisions and wanting to love God and do what he wants us to do. And yet it probably isn't really about that, is it? Mm. It's just about... Living, loved, loving you. Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. And not being so fearful about choices. Yeah. Which I think I was for a long time. Yeah. And God's really kind in it all. And if you are fearful about making a choice, he really does give you something, isn't it? Even if it's only a, it's all going to be all right. Yes, yeah. But it holds you forever, doesn't it? It does. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it does speak. Yeah. And and I think this comes out of a wrong view of God. But I know there was a period of my life where if one of the choices was going to make me really, really happy, then I felt that was probably not the right one because God would want to teach me so many things through difficult life experiences. So I could never believe that Irving could be the one that I would marry because I loved him so much, you know, because he was my ideal person. And, you know, so that's a weird way of thinking, isn't it? Um, you know, that, that the best, God's best for me must be a difficult thing, you know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.